The first lesson is from Numbers chapter 1. God spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai at the tent of meeting on the first day of the second month in the second year after they had left Egypt. He said, Number the congregation of the people of Israel by clans and families, writing down the names of every male. You and Aaron are to register company by company, every man who is 20 years and older, who is able to fight in the army. Pick one man from each tribe who is head of his family to help you. Moses and Aaron took these men who had been named to help and gathered the whole congregation together on the first day of the second month. The people registered themselves in their tribes according to their ancestral families putting down the names of those who were 20 years and older, just as God commanded Moses. He numbered them in the wilderness of Sinai. The tribe of Reuben numbered 46,500. The tribe of Simeon numbered 59,300. The tribe of Gad numbered 45,650. The tribe of Judah numbered 74,600. The tribe of Issachar numbered 54,400. The tribe of Zebulun numbered 57,400. The tribe of Ephraim numbered 40,500. The tribe of Manasseh numbered 32,200. The tribe of Benjamin numbered 35,400. The tribe of Dan numbered 62,700. The tribe of Asher numbered 41,500. The tribe of Naphtali numbered 53,400. These are the numbers of those registered by Moses and Aaron, registered with the help of the leaders of Israel, 12 men, each representing his ancestral family. The sum total of the people of Israel, 20 years old and over, who were able to fight in the army, counted by ancestral family, was 603,550. The second reading is from 1 Corinthians. God's various gifts are handed out everywhere, but they all originate in God's Spirit. God's various ministries are carried out everywhere, but they all originate in God's Spirit. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere, but God himself is behind it all. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit, and to all kinds of people. The variety is wonderful. Wise counsel, clear understanding, simple trust, healing the sick, miraculous acts, proclamation, distinguishing between spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. All these gifts have a common origin, but are handed out one by one, by the one Spirit of God. He decides who gets what and when. You can easily enough see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells. But no matter how many parts you can name, you're still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ. By means of his one Spirit, We all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to independently call our own shots, but then we entered into a large and integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. 
This is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptized. Each of us is now a part of his resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain, his spirit, where we all come to drink. The old labels we once used to identify ourselves, labels like Jew or Greek, slave or free, are no longer useful. We need something larger, more comprehensive. I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, not less. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. If Foote said, I'm not elegant like hand, embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to this body, wouldn't that make it so? If ear said, I'm not beautiful like eye, limpid and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head, would you want to remove it from the body? If the body was all eye, how could it hear? If all ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. Here end the readings. Grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, well, thanks again to Carol for those readings, because uh, <clears throat> I know you all always wanted to know how many people were in the tribe of Issachar. That was your burning question this morning over your cup of coffee or tea. Uh, but I uh, enjoy these kind of weird parts of the Bible that we don't normally get to hear in church. And I think, you know, this is one of those places in the Bible where your resolution to read the Bible from cover to cover just goes to die. You know, like you might get through the Genesis and Exodus, you're doing pretty good, and then Leviticus, maybe you survive Leviticus getting through all the laws in that book, and you finally make it to the book of Numbers, and then it's this census. And I actually cut out a lot from this chapter, <laughs> so it goes on and on very, in a very repetitive way. Um, but uh, this, as you might imagine, is where the book of Numbers gets its name, this census, uh, and another census that happens later on in the book, uh, 25 chapters later. Um, and the story goes that you know, the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt. They escaped in the Exodus uh, par- through the parted Red Sea, and they uh, found their way into the wilderness. They went to Mount Sinai. They got the Ten Commandments and the laws. Uh, and now they are taking stock. Uh, they're taking an accounting before they push further into the wilderness on their way to the promised land, which takes them another 40 years to get to. And so all the tribes and peoples of Israel are counted. Well, able-bodied men, 20 and up. Um, And it adds to a population of 603,550. And that, to give you a feeling for it, is roughly the size of the city of Baltimore. (laughs) And if uh, you add women and children, it might run to the size of Dallas, Texas. Um, And I don't know about you, but that is way more people than I picture Uh, when I think of the Israelites wandering around in the desert. Like in children's Bibles and in movies, it always looks like a much smaller group. Uh, And now I can better appreciate Moses' frustrations and challenge to keep all of those wandering Israelites together physically and spiritually for those 40 years. 
But I like that before they begin this journey, they take stock and take count. They know who and how many there are. And then they push into the unknown, bound for the promised land. There's something, of course, quite practical about it. But there's also something importantly spiritual. Because it takes everybody to make this journey. Nobody should be left behind. Everybody plays a role. Everybody plays a part. Each tribe, each clan, each house, each family, and each person has an important place among the people of God and on the journey toward home. Our theme for this morning and for the next few weeks in our stewardship campaign this fall is strength in numbers, uh, which would be a good description of our reading from Numbers today. But this theme wasn't inspired by the book of Numbers or anything so scriptural or sublime. It was inspired by, of all things, a basketball team. Um, In particular, the NBA Golden State Warriors. Um, Because they've had this theme, strength in numbers, uh, throughout their historic championship run. Three championships in four years. And this theme for them has been about how every person on the team, from the very best player to the last player on the bench, is an essential part to their success. But it's not just about the team. There's also the coaching staff and front office, the equipment manager, the ushers at the game, the travel coordinator, the city, the fans. The message is that everyone has an important part to play in making it happen. It only happens if people play their part. And this is one of those valuable life lessons that sports can teach us, whether you play yourself or you just root for the home team. Um, This time of year, I see it when my kids play soccer. Uh, You know, when kids start playing soccer when they're little, uh, they just all follow the ball around the field in one giant blob of kids. Um, A friend of mine describes it as magnet ball, like the kids are all attached, and they just wander around the field. And there aren't even goalies when they are starting off, so there's no positions whatsoever. Everybody's just running uh, everywhere. But then, as I've seen, as my kids have gotten older, um, they start to understand the different positions and their role within the team and where they should be on the field. They discover that there are things like defense and midfield and attack and goalie. Uh, They find out whether they're better on their left foot or their right foot. Um, They come to know how their particular skills contribute to the team and complement the other players. Um, Now, it's hard to believe uh, I didn't play soccer, but I did play basketball, and in middle school, I was the center of my basketball team. I got about this tall, and then I stopped, and everybody else just kept growing and growing and growing. Um, But as a center, I knew on that team I had a certain role to play, and there were certain places I was allowed to be. Uh, I could be down on the block, under the basket. I could run back and forth on the baseline, and in my big moments, I could occasionally pop up to the high post on the foul line to try to catch a pass and score. I had a specific role to play within a team. But interestingly, basketball now is kind of going under kind of a revolution. Uh, Thanks to advanced metrics and statistics, teams have analyzed the most effective ways to play. And it turns out that the most effective way to play is that the roles on the court are less fixed and much more fluid. Um, Where there were once defined roles, centers, guards, forwards, it's now more common to see forwards bringing the ball up on offense or seven-footers like Joel Embiid spotting up on the three-point line. It turns out that the strict roles are not necessarily the best way to play. The best way to play is when you have five players who bring their unique skills and play together, but in a way that's fluid and complementary, that play off of one another. And it turns out that basketball is actually way more fun to play that way, too.
It's something the warriors figured out early, and now everybody else is catching up. Um, The stewardship team picked this theme, Strength in Numbers, in no small part because of my obsession with basketball, um, but also to speak about how each one of us plays a vital role in the life of the church, how God gives each of us these gifts, brings us together, and does amazing things through us and with us. Um, The mission of sharing God's love with the world takes all of us, whether it's your first time here this morning or you've been here every Sunday for 50 years, whether you've been a Lutheran your whole life or you're just starting to explore it, whether you're good with numbers or words or your hands, it all matters. And when we come together, there's incredible strength in that. Um, It's one of the things that people notice about our church and want to be part of. Uh, We hear it a lot in our new members classes that there are enough of us, such strength in numbers, that people have the flexibility and freedom to follow their passions. Uh, They can find their niche. You can get involved without feeling thrown into the deep end. And there are seasons when people can be more involved or less involved, and that's okay. Uh, You can do something every night of the week here, or you can just simply be, and that's good, and that's part of that strength in numbers too. Uh, And it's not just about what we do, but it's about who we are together, here together, and who we are for each other. Um, Just to name some of the things that are happening lately, I was thinking like, I think about this with Chosen 300, but there's a whole process of feeding the homeless down in Philadelphia when we go once a month. And it starts when somebody places a call into the store to get our order. Somebody goes to pick it up. They unload it. Somebody else helps uh, them to unload it into the building. Then people come and pick pick up the food, go home, cook it, bring it back. Then there's a team of people that transport it down and go down and serve it. And somebody that gives the message and somebody does the music. And it takes all of those parts to make that once a month feeding happen. Um, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have our uh, meal packaging event. We're going to package 40,000 meals with 100 volunteers in two and a half hours. Uh, and you can't believe that that kind of thing could happen. But when people all come together, it does. Um, and on our men's retreat this coming weekend, we're going to be talking about strength in numbers and what it means to be strong and finding strength in each other and in our time together up at camp. And on Friday night, we had this great Oktoberfest, and we were just together in large numbers just to enjoy one another's company. There's such joy in numbers as well as strength. Um, There's so many examples. Um, As part of this project, as part of this theme, I've asked our staff to share with me some of the numbers that speak to their ministries, and I wanted to share just a few that you might be surprised by, um, because I was surprised by some of them. So did you know that 50 people joined our church last year. 30 adults, and, uh, 30 adults and 20 kids joined our church. And that we had 21 baptisms, which is one for almost every two and a half weeks of the year. Um, did you know that at our nursery school, 13 staff members provide 528 hours of education and care per year to the 65 children in our care who come from 49 families? Did you know that we have 5,194 graves in our cemetery, which we take care of as a ministry to those families who have laid their loved ones to rest? Did you know that we have 88 volunteer musicians involved in our music program, that we have 30 youth fence a year, and we've gone to ASP for 15 years? Did you know that there are 200 kids enrolled in our Sunday school and 53 Sunday school teachers who teach them about the faith? And that our band has been playing for 23 years. That is strength in numbers. 
Uh, And we're going to be hearing more of those numbers and more of those stories this fall. Um, In our second reading today, we hear the familiar passage about the body of Christ in a fresh translation from the Message Bible. Um, And it tells us that there are varieties of gifts and ministries, but the same spirit, that each of our unique gifts and life experiences have a vital role to play in what it calls the large and integrated life that God has given us together. As it says, we are different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. Uh, And what's of particular interest to me this morning comes a little later in that passage, where there's, there's this key objection that is raised, where the foot protests and says that it's not elegant like the hand, and the ear says, but I'm not beautiful like the eye. And I think that can be a common response or reaction to this kind of message, and it sort of gets at our sense of self. You know, we might say, well, my faith really isn't strong enough, or I'm too new, or I don't know that much about the Bible, or I could never do what that person does. I could never be like that person, or I haven't been here long enough, or I just don't have that much to give, or fill in the blank, I'm not blank enough. Or maybe underneath it, we simply think, I'm not enough. But you are. Uh, You are enough, and you are essential. Um, Just between services this morning, we were talking about this, and it's even when you're, like, smart and accomplished, um, and you do wonderful and amazing things in the world, you can still feel, have that sense, like, it's just not enough, you know? It's like it's never enough, or I'm not quite enough. And the gospel tells us that you are enough, and that God loves you just as you are, that you are enough. And then together, we are more than enough (laughs) together. Um, As it says in Corinthians, our lives together as a church, uh, where every part is dependent on every other part, the parts we mention and the parts we don't, the parts we see and the parts we don't. It says, if the body was all eye, how could we hear or all ear? How could we smell? No, every part is dependent on every other part, every person, every gift, every act of service and kindness and welcome and compassion. And we gain strength and encouragement from one another. And so this morning, know that you are enough. Know that you are, as it says in the psalm, fearfully and wonderfully made. Know that you are loved by God in this community just as you are. And that you are a gift, God's gift to us and to the world. And in the weeks to come, know that you play a vital role in this place that you are numbered, that you are counted, that you are part of the body and gifted by God for the sake of the world. Amen.